1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. The World Series of Poker main event is underway, and after a record six, count them, six starting flights from November 4th through 9th, the final number of entries was announced on Wednesday. It is 6,650. The record remains 2006's pre-UIGEA total of 8,773, followed closely by 2019's 8,569. But 6,650 fits in with the run from 2007 to 2018 when every main event drew between 6,300 and 7,900. All things considered, in this second year of COVID, John, is 6650 a number the WSOP should be happy with? Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: think so. If, if you make a reasonable guess as to you know how many no-shows there are as a combination of players who have health issues or someone close to them does, plus some will either never back to the mass mandate or who are sick of them at this point, or people who just don't want to deal with the hassle of flying in this environment. I mean, that feels to me like those categories account for, you know, but maybe the whole shortfall, maybe even more. Uh, so maybe a chance for a new record in 2022. But you're the poker guy, Eric.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with the last thing you said there. That Not not that I'm the poker guy. I do agree with that. But I also agree with right before that, that a, a new record in 2022, I think it's very much a possibility because of sort of the this year's solid number shows that there was a lot of pent-up interest for missing a year. And then you add to that, the people who miss this year, they're going to want to come next year. Um, the WSOP was definitely smart to add those last two starting flights once it was known that international travel would open up more on November 8th. Uh, so they, they at the last second, added November 8th and November 9th entries. Uh, so yeah, they got to a solid number. There are uh, 2,500 players still alive as Thursday's play begins. Uh, the top 1,000 will make the money. It's estimated the money bubble will burst early in Friday's play. The most important detail to me Chris Moneymaker comes into Thursday in 11th place with over 500,000 chips. So a a deep run by Chris means more Google searches of his name and more sales of the Moneymaker effect, which means my next quarterly residual (laughs) check might jump from like uh, $20 to say $40.
0: Nice, very nice. Double up. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> anyway, we will cover this subject more on next week's pod uh, as the main event uh, should wrap sometime late night next Wednesday. So uh, next Thursday, we'll uh, have full coverage of uh, Chris Moneymaker's uh, Certain Victory. And uh, with that, let's uh, thank everyone for joining us for episode number 168 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 167 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. And in case you were wondering, yes, we're going to be entering the World Series of Podcasts this year, and we like our chances of winning.
0: Yeah, so that reminds me, uh, are there gambling podcast awards competitions? Um, you know, a little background on the traditional difference here between the newspaper sports writers and news reporters having spent more than 15 years in each basket. In sports, nobody cares about awards. They care about what their beat is, right? So if you're covering the Yankees or the Knicks or whatever, guess what? You won. Uh, but in news, <laughs> awards are the coin of the realm. So that took some getting used to. People are really into those, but I digress. So coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague, Matt Ryboltowski, to talk about the state that has become a center of the sports betting regulation universe yep new york new york we'll get matt's take on the hefty tax rate what the push for partnerships is going to look like and what's going to take for operators to make money but first it's been a dizzyingly busy week in the world of gambling so let's get to it here's your gamble on news of the week an inside look at the biggest
1: stories in the world of gambling Before Matt Rybalkowski joins us to go really deep on the details, let's kick off the news segment by talking about New York ourselves. On Monday, the New York Gaming Commission officially recommended the issuance of nine mobile sports betting operator licenses, and it was in line with what we were expecting. Through one super bid, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, and BallyBet are in, and through another bid led by Camby, Rush Street, Caesars, PointsBet, Wynn, and Genting are in. It was believed that a 10th spot might go to Barstool, Bet365, or Fanatics, but no 10th license was awarded, just those nine, meaning the tax rate will be 51%. State Senator Joseph Adabo is continuing to talk about a launch in time for the Super Bowl, which means about a three-month runway for the operators to get everything in line including partnerships, which began falling into place Tuesday when BetMGM announced a deal with the Knicks, the Rangers, and their shared home, Madison Square Garden. John, we covered some of this ground last week, but what are your thoughts on nobody getting that 10th spot we'd heard was a possibility? And are you expecting to keep hearing about more partnership deals like the one MGM signed every few days from now until launch?
0: Yeah, maybe Matt can take a stab at why the commission, they found three of the six bids to meet their standards. They probably got bet 365 executives hopes up on the conference call for just a moment before deciding, yeah, good bid, but no soup for you. Kind of a Charlie Brown, Lucy football kind of moment. Uh, Kind of weird to me, but whatever. Um, Now, as far as these teams, you know, the Mets have had deals with gambling companies for years, such as Caesars, a partner since Citi Field opened in 2009. And there are rumors of owner Steve Cohen cozying up to Las Vegas Sands with the idea of building a casino next door to the Met Stadium. So, yes, there will be more for sure. Uh, As for getting ducks in a row by the time of the Super Bowl, well, you know, the Momentum Zoom board meeting set up for 1.30 p.m. on Monday was delayed <laughs> for 55 minutes due to technical difficulties. Uh, props to Matt Carey, a reporter with gambling compliance, for his tweet during a delay. Congratulations to today's big sports betting winners in New York. Beep, beep, and beep, beep. <laughs> <That's what laughs> got a kick at him. You know, it's funny, but it reminded me of the commission's traditionally glacial pace in finalizing regulations or really anything. Um, so this process has moved remarkably quickly so far. But in a way, setting up the fine print of regulations is a lot harder than accepting obviously qualified bidders. So don't anyone count on making their Super Bowl legal wagers on the east side of the Hudson River come February?
1: So you're predicting another another Lucy football moment uh, for those who are getting overly confident that they're going to be able to bet in time for the Super Bowl. I do. OK. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the, the marketing spend and the partnership spend and all that, uh, part of me was thinking that. These companies are going to want to be careful with that because they have to figure out how to make money with a 51% tax rate. But Then I thought about it a little more. And when has the prospect of overspending and losing money ever prevented DraftKings and FanDuel from doing anything? Uh, So I I think more huge deals are coming soon. Uh, BetMGM made the first move. Almost everyone in the market will counter with something big. It's going to be a busy next few months in terms of news to report on the New York online sports betting front. One thing I'm curious about, not to put you on the spot, John, maybe you've heard something, maybe you haven't, but I haven't heard anything about the branding for that Genting Resorts World license. Uh, Have you heard anything about what the online brand for that might be? Is is there any chance they could partner with an established mobile brand like Bet365 or FoxBet that didn't get into New York on its own? Or is Resorts World Sportsbook going to be the brand? Or are they uh, not saying anything yet, as far as you know?
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, Resorts World uh, owns not only the aqueduct uh, uh, rate. The sort of the slots parlor uh, section of Aqueduct, but also right. uh, there's a Resorts World uh, casino in the Catskills. Right. And um, so they they have pretty extensive interest in New York already. But yeah, but this is really a, an online gaming play, right? I mean, they're not going to make a ton of money on people betting on the Catskills, which is already legal, by the way, for the last couple of years. Not right. that anyone goes there to bet, but they they could <laughs> if they wanted to. Right. I've been there. I've seen it. I haven't <laughs> seen anybody in the sports book when I've been there, but they it's open and they could actually bet if they actually showed up and probably if I stay late enough at night on a weekend or Friday or Saturday, you know, I'll probably find somebody. But uh, so they're in the market already. But uh, yeah, that's definitely an opening. And uh, obviously there's rumors fanatics might buy anybody, including our right. street or somebody. And um, clearly, yeah, the licenses are there to be had. So uh, deals are going to be made on that front, too. Maybe more importantly than these team partnerships, like I said, already halfway there, they've been flirting with these companies for years. So they're, they're going to finalize those. But, uh, yeah, who buys who is going to be the biggest thing. Right.
1: Yeah, we, we said this last week, but uh, one thing I'll just note to wrap up the topic here is that uh, in, in the end, this worked out a lot better for the New York sports bettors than pretty much every scenario imagined or suggested earlier this year. Nine sports books competing for the customer's loyalty. That's a pretty solid situation
0: yeah i don't think you can ask for much more than that i think it's going to be fine i mean you know we'll we'll see for sure because of this tax rate but i I think it's gonna be all right
1: yeah all right moving on uh we opened the show last week with chatter about the 2021 edition of the DraftKings sports betting national championship including thoughts on rufus peabody's name uh well the event happened over the weekend in weehawken new jersey and in 10 other states virtually And somewhat like the original edition in 2019, it did not go smoothly, and DraftKings ended up taking it on the chin financially. 445 entries were needed to avoid overlay, and only about half that number had entered by Friday. And many of those who entered found themselves unable to get bets down or limited in the size of the bets they could get down, creating a mess of a situation that had our friend Captain Jack Andrews tweeting, quote, you need to cancel this tournament at DK Sportsbook, end quote. Uh, DraftKings actually did the players one better. They announced Saturday morning that all entrants would get at least their $10,000 back plus, everyone could keep their winnings above and beyond $10,000, as well as any prize money with the $2 million prize pool structure remaining in place. So it became a free roll. Uh, Some people, including the aforementioned Rufus Peabody, were thinking about entering before the 6 p.m. Saturday deadline. If there was a lot of overlay and or if the people atop the leaderboard still seemed catchable. But one downside of DraftKings' decision was that late entries were not allowed for obvious reasons. So the tournament played out from there. Uh, John checked it out in person on Sunday. Our one-time podcast guest, Grant Niefer finished in third place and won over $200,000. And the million-dollar top prize went to the screen name TUS0323, who hit a huge three-leg NFL parlay at 6-1 to one to vault into first place. Uh, John, let me know your observations from Weehawken and uh, your thoughts on the event and DraftKings' decision. And do you think they'll try this again and risk strike three?
0: Yeah, it was interesting to me because while nobody I encountered at the Tournament Central there had real gripes, I mean, A, why would they with guaranteed no lose, right? And B, if you're ticked off, you're going to stay home and gripe on social media instead of visiting a swanky Weehawken hotel, literally just steps from the Hudson River. I mean, 10 steps, you know pretty much. So, uh, you know, DraftKings had multiple extra banquet type rooms set aside at the hotel in case of a big crowd. But yeah, that proved uh, quite unnecessary. And as I noted in my article, if you put up 10 grand to enter a contest like this, you're probably a professional gambler or you're really rich or or both. So I didn't see a lot of reaction to various touchdowns the way you would see it. Say the Meadowlands Sportsbook on on all day, really, on on any given Sunday or any given Saturday, for that matter. Um, Those gamblers are not betting as much money, but they're also it's a percentage of their assets is probably a lot higher. So they have more at stake, you might say. Um, I'm told things picked up somewhat during the early window witching hour I had left by then. Now, as far as Strike 3 and and DraftKings, I think they probably already have a very good idea on that. If they know exactly what went wrong and know how it could have been entirely avoided, they can proceed next year. Uh, If not, then, yeah, we may not see another one. Uh, It's worth noting that only 35% of the entrants were from New Jersey, another 18% from Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, this time... DraftKings opened it up to betters in those other states, as you note. And so the interest wasn't so deep, but it was pretty widespread. So I think that's intriguing enough that, again, if DraftKings knows why this went haywire, I think they will try it again.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you may have seen Captain Jack estimated that DraftKings lost yeah. over $4.7 million on this, uh, not including <laughs> renting the venue and paying their employees to devote time to it and so forth. So I think we, we can round it up and call it about an even $5 million or so. Sure. Um, now, um, maybe a few people will actually sign up next time believing there's a chance history repeats and then they're signing up in the yeah. hopes of getting <laughs> another $10,000 free roll. Um, but <laughs> <That's> oth- <good. laughs> other, otherwise, this is bad news for publicity and for the future of this sort of event that it went this way. I think they fumbled on two fronts here. Um, One, they announced it way too close to the actual event. Uh, Johnny Avello told me last week that with these 11 states involved, it just took a long time to get all the different regulators on board. So. They actually knew a long time ago that they wanted to do it the first weekend in November, but they couldn't announce it until about a week and a half out. And that just doesn't give players time to plan for it. Uh, if they couldn't announce it until October, I think they should have scheduled it for a playoff weekend in January again and run DFS satellites and so forth. And, and maybe you get twice as many entries. Um, And I do think the the World Series of Poker main event factor that I mentioned in passing last week, I think that hurt too. A lot of poker pros did enter this thing in 2019. Um, But the other big fumble was the tech fail. Um, I'm not 100% sure what happened. It seems like one issue was that bettors who have been limited in the past on DraftKings were limited just the same way with their SBNC bets. And that can't happen. You you have to iron out the tech. So betting with this bankroll is completely distinct from regular betting. But, you know, bottom line, I wouldn't be surprised if they do try it again. It is uh, three strikes and you're out, not two strikes after all. Uh, But but the lessons to learn here are to give yourselves at least a couple of months to promote it and test the software fully. Like, I feel like they should have run a whole sample tournament where. 100 or so DraftKings employees sign up and they simulate a whole weekend of betting and make sure nothing goes wrong. But I guess I what I should say on top of that is that in the end a 5 million dollar or so loss is still not that big of a deal to DraftKings.
0: Yeah, I mean one thing too uh, to relate to world series of poker where obviously a lot of pros gripe that there's so many amateurs that get in there they they have more money than sense and they just want to take down a big name and they do wipe out you know some of the best players fairly early but uh, you know they're not they're not a contender. And here I saw some complaints from pros about, uh, oh, gee, the guy, you know, hits a three-team parlay and wins, you know, that's the professional sports betting champion, really, you know, so that's kind of inevitable to uh, I don't know how you avoid that. Maybe you have two different types of contests, one like this where, yeah, parlay, uh, you know, somebody who hits a big parlay is going to win, and then something else where it's almost like more straight up or, or even like, uh, you know, our fast five type thing where you're really going to find out who is the best at picking games and not just hitting kind of a long shot coming
1: yeah, I mean, well, they have those kind of contests too. DraftKings runs its own super contest type of thing, and and yeah, maybe that is a more more pure distillation of of who's better at uh, picking the games. I, it was, Rufus actually described it to me as this is not a handicapping contest the way this is set up. It's a game theory contest. And can you figure out the right strategy? Uh, and then you need the luck, obviously, of, uh, of of your bets breaking the right way. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the parlay thing because it's really interesting how the event played out and how parlays were so vital to the, the top finishers. You know, we talk all the time about a parlays under normal circumstances, are the most minus EV form of betting. But for a competition like this, higher variance is apparently a good thing. You you need to take those risks to shoot to the top of the leaderboard. Um, And I do wonder if the free roll factor altered the strategy The the players were more willing to just go big or go home and nobody was sitting there fighting to protect like an $8,000 bankroll or something because they're worried about going home with nothing. Um, So I I wonder if, you know, maybe the final scores at the top would have been a little lower if this wasn't a free roll.
0: I want to give credit to the champion, too, because, uh, you know, he could have sort of lucked into a couple of those parlay picks. I mean, he took the Jaguars with 14 and a half points. They won outright. He took the under. I think it was under 49. There were 15 points scored in the game. Okay, (laughs) He takes the Broncos getting six and a half for the first half against the Cowboys. And I think they're up 16, nothing. This guy crushed all three bets. I mean, you get the same amount of money in the contest like this, whether you lucked out with a late cover backdoor or not. And this guy actually crushed it. So I feel like that alone made him a worthy winner
1: you keep saying this guy and him we do we don't know it wasn't a woman who won this thing that's true <laughs> don't don't allow your gender bias and assumptions to uh, to influence uh, your interpretation of all this john all right i'm duly chastised <laughs> okay <laughs> that, that said chance it was a guy, just based on the way these things tend to go. All right. Um, For our third story this week, we check in on Maryland, a state that most expected to launch mobile sports betting long before New York, given that they legalized it in November 2020, but that is now seeing the launch delayed until at least early 2022. Late last week, the Maryland Sports Wagering Application Review Commission, or SWARC, announced that it was taking no action on sports betting applications for five casinos and requesting that all the applicants supply additional information to the committee, the latest delay in a process that is taking much longer than expected, much to the displeasure of Governor Larry Hogan. Hogan said the licensed operators might be able to sue the SWARC and spelled out, quote, if, in fact, they don't act immediately and approve them, it's going to be at least a year or more before anyone gets the ability to do gambling in Maryland, and potentially it could kill the entire deal, end quote. Uh, Hogan might be overstating it with the year-long delay, but the latest word is that, like New York, Maryland is now targeting late January or the Super Bowl for launch. The Swark deliberation on the applications took place mostly behind closed doors, so details of what the holdup is are unknown. Hogan said he thinks political shenanigans are involved and that the Swark delays are intentional. John, what do you make of all this, and what are the odds New York now launches before Maryland?
0: Yeah, so way back in May, I had a long talk with Gordon Madenica. He's a longtime lottery executive who had run the show in New York before taking over in Maryland, and he had just announced his retirement. And the cumbersome process for sports betting ahead clearly helped them decide to jump ship. I'll just say that. Uh, New Jersey has about two dozen sports books, while up to 36 of those are allowed in this ravenous gambling state. Smaller Maryland, meanwhile, shot bigger on sports books. And Modenica even quipped to me, so 60, the minimum, is a proxy for infinity, I think. (laughs) Which is really, really uh, a nice way of saying, what are they thinking? So I never thought any state could make New York regulators look nimble. But give me a New York launch over Maryland, and I'll give the points or the weeks or the months or any number you want. Give me New York.
1: All right. Uh, I had forgotten that you that you had interviewed Medenica. But now that you're mentioning it, yeah, I remember those quotes. And uh, yep, yeah, but it's it kind of this is in line with that. Um, we've seen this before in other states. Tennessee springs to mind as a state that got it all legalized. And then there was delay after delay in getting the rules figured out and getting it ready to launch. It seems in states without as much experience running gambling, it takes longer, you know. New Jersey launched fairly quickly, as did Delaware, as might New York. Actually, from the point of legalization to the point of launch, um, I'll say this at least for Maryland. In terms of those who want to see sports betting launch sooner rather than later, it's good to have a governor who's passionately pro sports betting. Uh, he wants it to happen. He wants it to happen soon. That makes it more likely that it will happen soon than if the governor was ambivalent. So. I kind of lean your way that New York is now the favorite, but I still think it's close. Um, I'd be cautious about uh, laying money with either side in this one. Well, uh, neither one of them is betting on the Super Bowl, we'll say that.
0: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling.
2: Let's get to the Gamble On
0: interview.
1: As John and I discussed during the news segment, New York State has the full attention of the sports betting world this week and probably will continue to for the next several months. We are joined now by a colleague who's been following every New York development closely, working his sources, breaking news. He and John together effectively make up the U.S. Bets family's New York reporting consortium, to use the word du jour. He is (laughs) Matt Ribeltowski. Matt, welcome once again to Gamble On.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: So the commission announced Monday that there were nine winners, nine operators getting licenses, and that means the tax rate will be 51 percent. Notably left out were the likes of Barstool Sportsbook and Bet365. As you understand it, Matt, is is that it? Game over? They're locked out? or, Or is there a chance of additional licenses being awarded a few months from now, a year from now, et cetera? And are you surprised by any of the commission's decisions on who to say yes to and who to say no to?
2: Yeah. First, before we um, delve deeply into New York, uh, I just thought you guys would appreciate this story. I was driving back from from, from Philly yesterday and I stopped at one of those new uh, New York uh, rest stops on the, the throughway to file uh, our New York story. And um, I tried to access our U.S. bets network and I was blocked from the site three times. And <laughs> And when I checked on it for the the reason why it said it said gambling, the um, rest stop didn't allow any uh, any sites with a a gambling affiliation to uh, go through its network. Mm -hmm. And real quickly, I just I, I thought to myself, hmm, that's that's something that New York State has to take care of right away or. Right off the bat, that's a million dollars <laughs> in lost revenue there. So, um, interesting, yeah. That, that, that just sort of uh, underscores uh, how large mobile sports betting has become in uh, New York. Now, um, to your question on whether it's game over for, for those companies, um, Bet365, Barstool, some of the other ones like, like Foxbet. The uh, New York Gaming Commission contemplated that exact scenario during the RFA process. And they said that it's their interpretation of New York state law that no uh, further licenses will, will be uh, authorized. So that's it for those companies. Um, the The licensing cycles is uh, 10 years based on the RFA. So those companies are shut out um, o- over th- that period. Um of course, the companies could lobby and, and try to get in, say, two to three years from now. But as we stand right right now, that, that's it. It's, it's game over for them. Not to say a, a, a company like like Fanatics or Bet365 will um, not make an ac- acquisition attempt to um, try to acquire one of the companies that... Um, received licensure so right. that's something that wall street analysts are are looking at so um keep an eye on that on whether f- fanatics will make a, an acquisition bid to um acquire a, a rush street a points bet um i i expect those uh discussions to uh, occur over the next few weeks Okay, and
1: then just on the on the surprise front, any of the ones that got rejected, was it like whoa that I was not expecting that to happen, or it was all kind of foreseeable to you?
2: Yeah, it was all uh, it's all foreseeable. Um, okay. not to, just to me, but to uh, n- numerous analysts uh, across the industry, and um, I I think why it's it, it's going back to an anecdote when uh, John and I were at the Saratoga conference back back in August, and so. We had a uh, very trusted source tell us that, look, there there will be nine operators selected here, and he he not only nailed that that part, he got he got the tax rate correct at fifty one percent before mm-hmm. that whole final tax rate matrix was introduced, and he got the uh, two consortia he got those correct, and he, he he got the names of the companies correct too. So. So he was uh, right on the ball. Um, it, w- it was almost scary how uh, exact that that source was uh, with his uh, his crystal ball and his pr- predictions there. So I'd say uh, in totality, there there weren't many uh, major surprises on Monday. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, Matt, I, I've over the years, I've kind of found the New York State Gaming
0: Commission to be a little bit... Um, I don't know, confusing at times. And here we have, forgetting about the exact tax rate for a second. I get the idea that you find one bidder that can be, led bid, which is the most qualified. And they're going to have a certain tax rate unless you decide the second best bidder is also really good. And you're going to let them in. And now there's so much competition, you're going to lower the tax rate because you're, still, you're going to have more operators and you're going to still get lots of money so far. So good. Now they had four other bids. They could have said there were no other qualified bids. That would be very simple. Or they could have said there's a third qualified bid, which they did. And then for reasons that escaped me, uh, adding the third qualified bid, would only lower the tax rate by one percent. So at that point, it seems to me if you said they're qualified, then why don't you just let them in? What's the point of saying someone is qualified, not letting them in, even though it has basically no difference to the tax rate? And there's already plenty of competition anyway. I, I'm, I'm kind of mystified by
2: that. Yeah. Um, on the, the face of it, uh, I, I I think those are tremendous points that, that you make there, John. And um, I agree with it. But let let me just try to untangle the uh the web here a, a little bit. So part one of the, the this process the um the, the gaming commission um created this standard if you will where they they called it technical factor a technical factor category. And so the applicants needed to get 60 out of 75 points to qualify under that 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 category and mm. It included things like expertise in the market, uh, past relevant experiences, uh, a company's promotional strategy, what their player database was like. And under those qualifications, Bet365 uh, qualified. Now, there were also rumblings behind the scenes that Bet365, that they were close to um, signing a a major agreement with the uh, Mets, which never materialized. So I, I think in uh, part one of the process, bet 365 qualified. So now you move on to to, to part two. You, you eliminate those other three applicants that, that, that you mentioned before. And the Gaming Commission only considered the, the three so-called qualified applicants. So since the Camby bid came in with a, a 64% rate, they, they ranked uh, first out, out of those three. And so the, the gaming commission had a statutory mandate to award licenses to two platform providers and four operators. Hmm. So if you take that part of it, can be qualified. Then if you go to the uh, second second ranked applicant, Giraffe Kings, uh, FanDuel, BetMGM, and BallyBets, the... The state judged that adding that applicant wound up um bringing a potential added benefit to the state and so at that that part of the process that was the only qualification the 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 state looked for and that that's only from a from a financial standpoint there so if the the canby application winds up bringing $500 million of GGR tax revenue to the state a year, the Gaming Commission focused on that additional additional incremental benefit. So they said, there you go. Uh, having DraftKings and, and FanDuel and having all their, their expertise and their, their reputation and their, their partnerships with the leagues, the partnerships with the team, they provided that added benefit. The commission said that Bet365 didn't, and so that's why Bet365 is out.
1: Okay. Um, all right. So now we know which nine operators are in, and now we move to the next phase. Uh, what do you see the race to capture market share uh, looking like between now and launch, which launch, you know, possibly around the time of the Super Bowl? Is it going to be bedlam with all the spending, marketing, deal making, et cetera, or, or is there any chance some of these companies actually move slowly as they try to figure out how the heck they're going to make money with a fifty-one percent tax rate?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great question, and um, it it's something that we we addressed uh, in our feature, and I I think you're seeing it right now, right right off the bat, uh, as evidenced by the uh, Bet MGM um, MSG. Uh, Partnership that was reached yesterday. I think uh, to, to your point, Eric. In, initially, you, you you might see that deal making f- frenzy where um, all, all these companies look, look to partner with individual teams. Uh, you, you you see that with Bally's, especially. Bally's already already has those uh, relationships in place from a media and broadcast standpoint with uh, with the guest network and the Yankees, the Nets, uh, New York City FC, and Major League Soccer, uh, those type of teams. Beyond that, I I think that now that the nine operators are are selected, that this could um, accelerate talks in um, ESPN's plans to to license their their sports betting uh, brand. And so I think ESPN might have been a a little hesitant to... uh, to consummate that that deal before the New York operators were were selected. Um, now that that's in the rearview mirror, um, I I expect those talks to, to pick up a, a, a little bit. And um, of, of note, there um, several of the uh, companies that were selected have been um, rumored to engage in talks with uh, ESPN and. Um, Notably, that's uh, Caesars and DraftKings uh, already, and then there, there there was talk behind the scenes that uh, Rush Street um, entered the fray. So uh, I, I I think you'll you'll see that to start to happen um, on the pr- promotional front. It's um, it's important to note that there's a provision in, in, in the RFA that says that. These sports betting companies cannot deduct uh, promotional a promotional activity uh, for, from their their taxes, and so that's going to uh, restrain uh, the, the the type of boosted bets and free promos that that you've seen across the marketplace over over the last three years. So, uh, to take for instance, the the Knicks played uh, the the Sixers uh, the the other night. You you might not see those type of bets where. A, a better could win $76 if the Knicks have a 76 and a half spread over the, the Sixers in, in a game. Right. But those type of bets uh, won't be offered as much because the, the operators can't write them off. And so in turn, that that might restrain uh, total activity across, across the marketplace. So. If say like a year or two from now, New York is not reaching their, their benchmarks in, in that projection of one billion dollars in GGR, I, I think you, you you might see the uh, companies go go back to the state and try to eliminate that clause there.
1: That would be a real shame for the New York betters because as a uh, mediocre Pennsylvania better, I can say uh, for certain that I am ahead. But overall, but if you took away all those big promos, I would be behind. That's the difference between me being a winning better and a losing better at this point, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, Eric, in New Jersey, <laughs> although uh, I get even more uh, promos than you do. Right. But that's really the only difference. You know, speaking of Pennsylvania, a few years ago, all the operators were talking to me about how what a disastrous 36 percent tax rate. It's outrageous. Uh, nobody's going to want to go in. It's not going to work. And I felt like, let's just see what happens. If 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 the companies refuse to join in in Pennsylvania because the tax rate's too high, then the state blew it and they're not going to get the revenue. And if everybody jumps in like they did, then the state really benefits. There Making a fortune in annual tax revenue, much more than New Jersey, which has a low tax rate of around 15%. So, um, Pennsylvania, the other speculation was well, they're going to have to offer terrible lines. It's the only way they can make some money. And actually, they offer the same lines almost completely with New Jersey. So, other than the occasional promo that I get that Eric doesn't get, realistically, there's not a big difference. Um, for betters in the state. They have a lot of alternatives and they get some promos and they get about the same line. So, you know, I don't know if there's any difference between 36% being so terrible, but they put up with it. And the fact that the operators they all joined in, I mean, they can complain all they want, but if they can't make money, they're not gonna join, right? So I, I don't it's amazing the tax rate is as so high as it is, but it seems like in a state as big as New York. I, you know, that it, it's going to work. So are they, are these companies just complaining, even though they, they know they're going to make lots of money anyway?
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. John nailed it um, on the um, the dynamics in, in, in Pennsylvania and uh, how lines in Pennsylvania compare with New Jersey. Because let's face it, these um, major uh, companies that have market caps in excess of $20 billion, the, notably the DraftKings and the fan duels of the world they they don't want to be uh, arbitraged with, with their lines so they they don't want to see the the box at minus 170 in in New York and minus 130 in in New Jersey they'll just lose a ton of money if that that winds up happening so I I think the same dynamic will play out in 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 New York where if that uh, minus 120 or minus 130 is offered in New Jersey, that's the line that you're gonna get in, in, in New York too. So there's just that, that consistency there for, on a state-by-state basis that all the lines are the same. Um, in terms of the tax uh, rate and, and getting it right, I, I think the part that New York got got right exactly is, is the, the licensing fee at $25 million uh, mm-hmm. each per platform provider. So there are eight platform pro- providers that are going to enter the market, and right off the bat, that's $200 million of fixed revenue to, to the state. So if that scenario played out that, uh, that governor, former Governor Cuomo uh, advocated for in that monopoly where only one or two uh, platform providers entered the market, then that 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 figure would have gone down to fifty million dollars. So I think they 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 could have did a good job of of coming up with that 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 compromise. They they didn't go as high as sixty four percent. They didn't go as low as thirty six percent. So fifty one percent is right in the middle. And then at the, at the same time, New, New York has that that fixed amount of, of of revenue that goes to state coffers right away there.
1: All right. Well, it is uh, always great talking to you, Matt, and uh, getting all this uh, information that, that you've been uh, gathering. Uh, th- thanks so much for, first of all, your tremendous coverage of the New York news for our sites. Uh, and then second of all, thanks for coming on the, the podcast again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks
1: so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Matt. Two men, Two men.
0: $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On Bankroll.
1: We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll, and this was a good week for us more specifically it was a great week for john and a lousy week for me which added up to a good week overall i'll get my bad news out of the way first uh, canelo by decision at plus 220 was six minutes away from a possible cash then he hurt and stopped caleb Plant early in round 11 and that was that we lost 75 bucks my other bet didn't even come close i picked the wrong night to back the miami heat they shot under 35 percent from the field and just 22 percent from three and lost to boston we dropped a hundred dollars off that one. So I cost us $175. Fortunately, John won us $323, a banner week for him. He had Oregon minus seven. They won by $10, $100 profit there. And then he nailed the golf. He had Hovland uh, top five, and he actually won the whole tournament with room to spare. Uh, We won $88 on that. And the big hit uh, financially was Taylor Gooch at plus 180 for the top 20 for $75. We profited $135 on that one. So we came out $148 ahead for the week and are now down $1,658 overall. John, anything to comment on with those bets before we talk about some futures bets?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I had a brief daydream Sunday morning that as the first and second place golfers at the 54 holes loosened up at the first tee, one of the Golf Channel announcers would say, some of you out there know that both Hovland and Gooch are products of the Oklahoma State Golf Factory. But here's something more amazing. A fellow on a podcast I enjoy, Gamble <laughs> On, selected two out of 144 golfers in this tournament as his two picks. And it was none other than Hovland and Gooch. It's a shame that he had Winter Hovland as a mere top five. But on the other hand, John Brennan was so far into clinch money that he didn't even have to watch the final round. And narrator John, in fact, did not watch the final round.
1: <laughs> so, yeah,
0: that is a sweet, sweet feeling. So I'm, I'm going to ride that for a couple of days.
1: Nice. Well done there. Um, Okay, so uh, we are exactly halfway through the NFL season, uh, nine weeks down, nine weeks to go. 16 teams have had their bye weeks, 16 haven't. Uh, So let's check in on our NFL futures bets and see how everything is trending. I will go chronologically by when we made the bets. I got it started very early back in March I believe with $10 on the football team to win the NFC at 35 to 1. That's $10 <laughs> we'll never see again. Um, uh, but before Sorry. before you laugh at me John, here here's you followed with uh, $50 on Zach Wilson for offensive rookie of the year and that money has also gone poof. <laughs>
0: that might be worse, it's hard to say. Those are, right. no, okay.
1: <laughs> All right, it gets better. Um I took uh, I took TY Hilton under 64 and a half ca- catches. He's been injured most of the Season. So that is a lock. Um, I would say it's my luck evening out for Gronk staying healthy throughout 2020. Um, I took the Jags under six and a half wins. And even after beating the Bills last week, they're only at two and six. So we're in good shape there. Another Jags bet I took Trevor Lawrence over three and a half rushing touchdowns. He has two. So we are exactly on pace. I bet the Broncos over eight and a half wins. We are right on the fence after their upset of Dallas last week. They're five and four. We need four and four the rest of the way. I did three cheap long shots, uh, $15 on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl at 40 to one. They're now down to about 20 to one, but it's still a long shot. $10 $10 on Tua for MVP. Uh, no, that, that's much worse than my Washington bet. That's my personal worst, uh, worst attempt at a long shot. Um, and uh, $15 on Kyler Murray for most passing yards. We were in the hunt until he sat out last week, and now we're almost drawing dead on that. Uh, I put 50 bucks on Chandler Jones to lead the league in sacks after he had five in week one. He has had one sack since. Uh, that will be a loser, barring a miracle. And lastly, we have my recent bet on the Chiefs to miss the playoffs at plus 172. And yes, they've won two straight since I made the bet, but they continue to look like crap. Uh, They were lucky to face Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers. That one, I think, still could go either way. Uh, John, anything stand out to you among all these?
0: Yeah, uh, Better to bet on ineptitude than be an optimist. Uh, I learned a lot from that list, and I'm hoping our bankroll doesn't pay too large a price for it. Those are some absolutely brutal plays. I'll just throw that out there. And um, yeah, the, these uh, these are entertainment for sure. You're not winning money with you know this guy's going over this. This guy's going to lead for this. This guy's winning. It's just uh, I I don't think it's just like a sample size of well these didn't work out so I'm I'm you know, making it global. I think these these bets in general just are not a good idea.
1: Well, for what it's worth, we are on track i think to come out ahead on all of these because the ones that really stink are the ones we barely risked any money on ten dollars here fifteen dollars there even 50 on zach wilson is isn't that big an amount uh it's i guess the crew the one that it's going to come down to probably um is the broncos one that's the one that could go either way and that is for fairly big money so i think if, if we if the broncos go over eight and a half wins we're definitely coming out ahead on all of these if they okay. go under probably not um, exactly. But all right, as I noted earlier, we are down one thousand six hundred fifty-eight dollars. We still have one thousand three hundred ten dollars on hold in futures bets, so that leaves us with seven thousand and thirty-two dollars available to bet with this week. And you're up first, John.
0: Well, only a couple of PGA Tour events left in 2021, so no reason for me to get off that bandwagon now. We had a Texas this week for another event, the Hewlett Packard Enterprise Houston Open, and that brand new printer should be arriving uh, any year now for that <laughs> plug, uh, given the supply stream and all that, but that's uh, all right. Um, we're not above that. Um, so it's just a difficult par 70 course, and wind could be a factor. And subscribers know I tend to fade Americans when the going gets tough, which didn't work out so well at the Ryder Cup, to be honest. But um, sticking with only the afternoon tea times as usual, my top six choices all happen to land in that window. So that took me to prices instead. I, I've got everybody I want. Uh, give me $50 on, or 50 units at least, on Englishman T- Terrell Hatton at plus 120 for a top 20 with no chop courtesy of MGM. Hatton is plus 110 at DraftKings. And if he finishes in a tie for 20th, a big one, let's say, you get chopped to pieces and it's a worse price. Uh, I tell anybody looking top 20, look at BetMGM. you might get the same or a better price plus you don't get chopped on the you know eight-way tie for 18th or whatever Uh, and another 25 on fellow Brit Ian Poulter top 20 at surprisingly plus 225 like that and the last 25 on Irishman Seamus Power who won won us money a couple weeks ago and is really sizzling so 25 there at plus 180 so three bets and no chops and one ad is uh, on the American side, if I was picking anybody, I fancied Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Maverick McNeely. And yes, that's his real name.
1: All right. That's that's definitely useful advice for any of the, our golf bettors out there to look at BetMGM and consider those no-chop options. Um, since there is no line posted yet for Friday night's massive college basketball game between the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, and the Brown University Bears, I can't proceed with my plan to risk half our remaining bankroll on Brown plus 49 points or whatever the lines can end up being. Uh, That actually was brought to my attention by my uh, youngest brother who uh, went to grad school at, at UNC. He let me know that they were about to play each other. I had no idea. Anyway. Um, let's do instead an NBA futures bet. Uh, the beauty of futures bets is they allow plenty of time for my betting mojo to turn around before they're decided. So I think there's value in the Golden State Warriors at plus 175 to win the Pacific Division during the regular season. Uh, our colleague Mike Seeley was actually advising that plus 450 to win the Western Conference is better but i don't know there are a lot of variables in play when you need to win three playoff rounds for the regular season i'm more confident they can keep playing well and of course they'll be getting clay thompson back they're currently 10 and 1 with an average point differential of 13.6 against mediocre competition admittedly but i think if steph curry stays healthy they're going to continue to have one of the best regular season records in the nba it is a good division Only the Kings are a write-off. You know, the Suns, Lakers, and Clippers are all potential playoff teams, but Clippers, no Kawhi. Lakers, I see them struggling all season to gel and, and to stay healthy. So it's really Warriors or Suns in my view. Warriors are up by two and a half games right now. I think plus 175 is an excellent return. Let's bet $100 to win 175.
0: I should mention my alma mater, Fairleigh Dickinson University, they opened on Wednesday night and uh, it was a triple whammy because I can't bet on them in New jersey because they're a jersey team. They played Seton Hall, so I can't bet on that because it's a jersey (laughs) team. And they played at the Prudential Center in Newark. And I can't bet on a game in New Jersey. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a whammy, whammy, whammy. You know, FDU lost 93-49. I, I, I feel like they didn't lose so much as they ran out of time is the way I'm looking at it. But <laughs> right. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the line would have been, but I, I and, and was elsewhere in the country. Right. I'm pretty sure my Knights were not getting 44 points. So I probably <laughs> am better off uh, not being able to bet that game. So thank you voters across the state who uh, vetoed the... Uh, uh, constitutional amendment uh, last week. So I'm moving on. So uh, I'm going to go back to college football. Oregon utterly dominated Washington last week. So it was weird to only cover by three points, but I still feel good about that pick. So give me Notre Dame. Yes, I'm finally picking them and not against them. <laughs> Giving five points, I bet MGM at minus 110 and not the five and a half I saw on several other sites here in Jersey. So I grab a half a point. I never thought I'd live long enough to see it, but the least Irish style football program in the United States, Notre Dame, finally. (laughs) Finally, finally is a little bit underrated we don't love the team here we love the price and this is a double digit win
1: all right um so for my second bet i'll go back to boxing but i'm going to keep my bet small while i am waiting to get out of my funk uh saturday night on showtime david benavidez versus kyron davis the over under is six and a half rounds davis is overmatched here I can't possibly see him winning, but he's never been stopped. And Benavidez rarely gets the early knockout. Of his last seven fights, only one has ended before the eighth round. I'm expecting a late knockout here. It's a minus 130 price on over six and a half rounds. So again, keeping it small, let's risk $65 to win $50 on that over. And we finish the show with the fast five where my march toward history continues. Uh, (laughs) Everything I touch turns to mud in this contest. I went one and four last week to bring my record to an almost unfathomable 15 and 30. Uh, If you flipped it, if one of our listeners just fully faded me every game, every week, a 30 and 15 record would have you in the hunt for big money in the super contest as first place is currently 32, 12 and one. Uh, Meanwhile, John, you had your typical steady three and two week, Uh, you won our one head to head despite seemingly bad luck with Kyler Murray's health and the curse of Raskin dragged you down on our one shared pick. Uh, Your record is now 25, 19 and one, quite strong if not as spectacular as Bizarro Eric's 30 and 15. Uh, Anyway, uh, you're up first with your sensible picks then I'll go second with the five teams everyone will want to fade.
0: I should know that note that uh, Bizarro Eric is on a twenty nine and eleven. 11- roll.
1: That yeah. is a hot roll <laughs> in the last eight
0: weeks. So right, that Bizarro might be er- better than anybody in the contest. <laughs>
1: Bizarro Eric got off to a really bad start with that one in four weeks, <laughs> yeah. didn't he?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? That's impressive. So I must admit that I have some devilish ideas for my strategy, given given your your woes, but a little too early to do a victory lap. So I'm going to go nose okay. for the grindstone, at least this week. So look on the bright side, too. Your Packers converted on a fourth and five with five minutes left to get you one <laughs> point inside the cover. Yep. And they pissed away all three timeouts earlier the chiefs would have picked a spread covering field goal in the final two minutes. So there's that. You got to look on the bright side. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My fast five Falcons plus nine and a half at Cowboys. Falcons have played in six consecutive one score games. And I'm not convinced that both Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott will be healthy for this entire game. I wish for 10 points, but I get two scores. So I'll take it. Uh, Titans minus three versus saints. Yeah, the Titans only give up the home team field goal. This is a well-coached team with a savvy quarterback. I know they're missing their running back, but guess what? Alvin is banged up for the Saints, who were down 18 points to the mediocre Falcons last week before nearly, nearly stealing a win. It's not going to be so close this time. Next, I'm looking at Cardinals minus 10 versus the Panthers. Back when Washington's team had a nickname, perhaps the weakest possible superpower that it had was having the best number three quarterback in a league by like a million. And that was one Colt McCoy. He was then and is now one of the best backups in the league as a number two. So while it's tough to go early on Arizona without knowing more about Kyler Murray, although the latest reports are pretty good. Last week's performance by McCoy was not a fluke. Meanwhile, Sam Darnold is not good. So who cares if he doesn't play? And now it looks like he won't. Uh, but PJ Walker is a terrible, terrible backup choice. So I'm very comfortable giving the 10 there. Uh, next Eagles plus three at Broncos. Denver's players got all fired up last week when the Cowboys passed up two field goals in the first quarter last week. And they took it as an insult to their manhood or something. I don't know that who knows what uh, motivates athletes, right? So the Eagles aren't going to do that. And it seems like the sharps and the books, they see something in Philly that's well, special a little bit. Uh, I don't quite see it and you don't either, but I'm going to go with it anyway. And finally the Rams minus four at the 49ers. Sure. The Rams laid a big egg last week, but so did the Niners with their season on the line against decimated Arizona. The Rams need a little bit of a kick in the teeth and it will help them this week.
1: All right, so uh, mostly neutral news for you here, John. Uh, Four of our games are separate, uh, but the one game that we uh, both picked, we are on opposite sides of. So it is (laughs) neutral to slightly positive news for you. I don't know. I, I see this as an easy week. I'm, I'm going five for five, and uh, I only need to do that three weeks in a row to get back to 500, so uh, no problem. Here we go. Uh, first up, uh, Browns plus one and a half in New England. Cleveland is without Nick Chubb, but running backs are replaceable, bordering on interchangeable. I wouldn't overrate that factor. The Pats have been better on the road than at home this season, and I think that continues here. I think they're due for a letdown game, a game where a tough defense makes Mac Jones play like a rookie. Uh, Next up, our one head-to-head, I'm taking the Saints getting three against the Titans. Titans have a fantastic winning streak going. I think they're also due for a flat performance, and I'm not so sure Trevor Simeon is actually a downgrade from Jameis Winston. I like the Saints to keep this close and maybe even pull out the upset win. Um, The Bucks are a much better home team than road team. They're actually 0-4 against the spread on the road this season. And I think that continues this week against a Washington team that gave them trouble in the playoffs last year. And no, it's not the same team this season, but this strikes me as a game they'll get up for and play with a lot of pride. And i like the football team to cover that nine and a half point spread. Um, the last two are the ones I feel most confident in, which means listeners should run. Don't walk, run to bet against these. Uh, first. I like the Vikings plus three at chargers. Chargers home games aren't really home games. The crowd is uh, always rooting as much for the visitor as for the Chargers. And the Vikes always keep it close. Five losses by a combined 18 points. This one has last second field goal either way for a one or two point kind of game written all over it. And my fifth underdog pick, uh, this one you should be betting the money line. The Raiders will beat the Chiefs in Vegas on Sunday night. I'm getting two and a half points with them because the Chiefs are the Chiefs but they're the Chiefs in name only. The Raiders, they got their Henry Ruggs uh, distraction letdown game out of their system. Now they'll bounce back and beat Kansas City, or, or at least I hope they will for the sake of our Chiefs to miss the playoffs bet. And that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Matt Rybaltowski. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out.
0: Well, those of us in New Jersey have gotten used to getting a kick out of Big Brother New York getting outflanked, all the way back to stealing the New York Giants back in the 70s for a new stadium in the Meadowlands swamps. And while Yonkers Raceway once ruled, the Meadowlands racetrack overtook it for national domination on the harness racing scene almost as soon as it opened in 1976. New York Nets crossed over next, then came the Jets in the 1980s. Uh, new York City saw it a decade ago to build a Manhattan football stadium they want to host the olympics that all went up in smoke and the quote unquote new york super bowl was played in new jersey in 2014 and when it came time to challenge the federal government and the biggest sports organization to bring sports betting to americans outside of nevada it was new jersey not new york that took up the gauntlet and for three and a half years the garden state has scooped up tens of millions of bonus tax revenues thanks to big apple residents who insisted on betting legally and that meant a short ride to jersey But finally, this week, New York State, as we noted, legalized sports betting, not just for upstate visitors to the Catskill Mountains and points northward, but to anyone in the state next year. So New Jersey's free ride is just months from being over. And if the Nets, a team I covered for a decade, ever hoist an NBA championship trophy, it's going to make them the toast of Brooklyn, not East Rutherford. Finally, a little over a year from now, New York will start handing out up to three New York City casino licenses, one of which seems likely to go to Yonkers Raceway, which will then poach even more money from the jersey than we did from them. So here's to you, big brother. Clearly, you've learned much from us. I guess the gravy train couldn't last forever. And with that, until next time, gamble on. And for a little while longer, at least, mostly in Jersey.